0: Hello everyone and welcome to Repot It, the Rerouted Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Schoning. I'm here with my co-host and founder of Rerouted Chap Drub. Chap, how's it going today, man?
1: I am so happy that it's beautiful and sunny here in Taos, that the snow is melting. We're I'm excited to be here, Brian. We've got a fabulous guest here today. Brian, why don't you introduce him? Because he's kind of family.
0: Well, so kind of family. Yeah, you're right. Kind of family is a good way to describe it. Chris Wilsey is my uh, my cousin. He uh, he and I were planning on starting a business venture called Outside Access, which is going to be an outdoor-related media company uh, a little bit over a year ago. And uh, we got in, t- in touch with CHAP really early on. And as things kind of started to develop over here at Rerouted, CHAP reached out to us to bring us onto the team. Uh, Chris, talk to us a little bit about what you do for rerouted, what your title is and uh, what you've been involved in for the last eight, 10 months or so.
2: Sure thing. So like Brian said, chap reach out, reached out to us uh, during the middle of getting our little venture off the ground. And it was during a time where he needed someone to come in and help him out with kind of the financial side of starting a company. Um, so my title is the VP of finance and business strategy um, I do, I have been for the last, you know, like you said, about eight or nine months now, I've um, been doing pretty much all of the backend, uh, financial modeling pro forma forecasting, uh, for pitching, um, and, and budgeting, um, you know, in hand with chap and, and the other kind of, uh, directors of the business units here to, you know, budget out capital raises, budget out sort of department budgets for people, um. And I've been slightly involved with pitching, and then on the other hand, the strategy side, sort of overall strategy, uh, with with Chap and you know everyone else involved, and making sure that we are working towards completing our mission, you know, every week, and and on these major rollouts that we've got coming up here, um, you know, making sure that we are allocating our capital in ways that will make us successful long term.
1: I'm so grateful to have Chris here because. That I'll never forget the very first conversation Chris and I had when I was, thinking, Chris, will you run the financials for us? He took all of the data and he comes back to me and he's like, trap in five years, the data says that we're going to be making $35,000. And I looked at him and I was like, Chris, that's not going to work. And you need to, we need to come to better conclusions. So Chris is really awesome because we meet in the middle we find these great ways to execute on the strategy overall and really find compromises. Chris, like what, what have you learned over the past eight months or so? Like what's that kind of some of the big key takeaways?
2: Big key takeaways of things I've learned over the last few months. Um, honestly, there's a ton of them. You know, startup world was uh, not something that I've worked in before. Uh, kind of my my past experience is more in in corporate finance and sort of like equity research and uh, kind of investment research type work. Um, but if there's anything I've kind of taken away from this process, kind of in a in a big way, um, it's that stepping outside your comfort zone can be very invigorating. Um, you know, it's also a lot of work, but, uh, I think it's something that is worth pursuing. Um, cause it is, it is more invigorating and more of a thrill than I think some people might think. Um, I think that's one of the big key takeaways. Uh, the other one is that starting up a company is kind of a process and, uh, you have to play kind of a, a little bit of a game and, and, hit these certain milestones um, and targets appropriately because you know part of the big thing is you need money to do stuff and you've got to raise capital and, and so this whole kind of capital raising process has been uh, definitely a journey and definitely a, a learning point of you know how to connect with the right people and how to sort of play the game of raising money at the right times and and
1: lining it all up appropriately so that's also been fun as well. a good answer Brian I've never asked you that question what are your some of your biggest takeaways over the past eight months?
0: Oh, putting me on the putting me on the spot here. Um, it's 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 really been for me about the working environment. Um, you know, I worked at kind of I worked in production at a radio station, and I was kind of at the at the bottom of a corporate ladder, and it was it was pretty hard to kind of dig your way out. Um, I think the biggest kind of benefit and the thing that I've learned the most uh, kind of since since coming over here is is just having your input valued is really meaningful. And and that's something that Chap works really hard on to make sure that everybody on the team is is heard and uh, and has and and kind of feels like they're they're bringing uh, a lot more to the table maybe than just is in their uh, specific wheelhouse. That's something that Chris and I talk a lot about where we're able to kind of have our hands in different buckets and be kind of involved in a bunch of different things despite having you know our own expertise. Uh, but being able to being able to have our hands in in all different buckets has taught me a lot. I mean, I'm I'm doing a lot of marketing right now and and I, you know, for the last month and a half or so I've been I've been trying to become, you know, a a marketing master and it's not it's not gone super well. Uh, I've, I've been I've I've been doing I've been doing my best trying to learn as much as possible. But that would probably be kind of the the biggest thing is I've is I've just kind of taken on a bunch of different roles that I wouldn't have expected to have, uh, to have been involved in.
1: Yeah. Well, welcome to the life. You guys, that's what it's been. You gotta have your hands on everything. One of the, first of all, disagree, Brian, I think you've been doing a great job. Chris (laughs) is also doing an amazing job with the work he's doing, but that you guys see this. The reason we do these podcasts, the reason we do the happy hour is because that community that I'm trying to build with the team is essentially the foundation for how we want to develop the community for rerouted in general and and build this used gear on demand cycle around the outdoor community and the outdoor space. And it's about being valued, being heard and, and making, these choices available and accessible to everyone. It's it's creating something beautiful together, and it takes the whole army. We we can lay the foundations. We can give you guys the tools, but fundamentally, what it's going to come down to is all of us coming together and building this cycle in, in flow. Chris, what's the weirdest thing you've done? And then we'll kind of get into the gear questions. What's the weird? What's the most shocking thing you've done for rerouted? And then uh, that we'll kind of move into the gear side of things.
2: I think the most shocking or or least expected thing I imagined I'd be doing for the company was actually setting up the company you know you go you go work from somebody and a little bit in the back of your mind you're like all right cool like the person who started this whole thing's like got this thing figured out we're rolling well what fell into my lap this week was Turning this uh, small LLC into a verified Delaware C Corp. So (laughs) that's probably the most shocking and least expected thing I I was, uh, you know, that is landed in my lap so far. And thank you. But again, one of those things where I think at the, at the end of it, you know, that's an experience that had I not been a part of the rerouted group, like maybe I would have never looked through incorporation documents for a, you know, a legitimate C-corp type structure. And I imagine I'll, I'll learn at least some of it, or as much as I can discern from the high legal speak that is in all of those documents. Um, but that'd First, probably be it so far.
1: That, that was a great answer. And I had to mute myself because I was laughing so hard, but uh chris chris is the lucky beneficiary of the fact that i hate doing paperwork so good thanks chris thanks for not hating paperwork as much as i do and making sure that what needs to get done gets done
2: yeah well in the fine print and you know thankfully i haven't signed an official contract yet that's pending i've seen (laughs) them um but in the fine print of my contract it seemed like was also vp of paperwork there's a little asterisk (laughs) there that i missed once i signed on to this thing
1: Oh, I, I snuck that in. I made sure it was really small. Brian, you want to segue us into the gear category? Yeah.
2: Well, gear
0: and gear and outdoors, Chris, there's uh this is kind of a funny question for me to be asking you since, you know, we grew up in, uh, in the same, in the same heavily outdoor family, but uh, how did you, how'd you get into the outdoors?
2: Forced family fun would be my curt answer to that question. Um, no, and I mean that. In Chap's, the best shake, way.
0: Chap's shaking his head right now because we're all supposed to be outdoor enthusiasts, and, uh, and yeah. Chris is no, out here. You, no, I was. I'm not, a, I, I only went in the outdoors because I was forced by my family. Yeah,
2: so, triple, triple F. No, what I was going to say is in, in the best way possible. Um, I, I consider myself very fortunate to have grown up um, with a family that was willing to put in the time and effort to like wrangle all of us together as little kids and get us out there. Um, you know, because a lot of my other friends back in uh, upstate New York, you know, maybe did some some skiing in the winters and we would play sports. but not a lot of them growing up when I was younger were like, going out and camping for a week on end or like getting into the mountains and just like walking around to different campsites, you know, doing like a backpacking trip. All of that was happening with my family out on the West coast. And and a lot of it was in part due to the fact that our parents organized a trip together amongst themselves and got everybody involved. And we would, you know, figure out the logistics of basically getting 20 to 30 people or so like out in the woods together on some crazy excursion. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And then as Brian was stating, you know, our family has a kind of a deep rooted history of of, of climbing and, and backpacking and hiking of, of various levels um, kind of throughout the generations. And so we've, uh, you know, always been connected in that way. Um, And then it kind of just kept expanding from there, you know, you start hiking and backpacking as a kid with your family. And then, you know, back in New York, we would go on hikes in locally and then bring friends along and do that. You just sort of, you know, get a community of people together on for us. It was kind of on both sides of the country um, where we could kind of be doing that stuff pretty much year round you know haven't done as much winter hiking a lot of that was skiing we did a ton of skiing and kind of winter sports in the winter Um, not necessarily like outdoor adventuring in that sense but that's kind of how it started and it's continued on in you know various uh levels since then but
1: besides big white chris what's a what's a spot that really resonates with you
2: besides big white and Kelowna, BC shout out to them. Their mountain is one of the best out there, hands down. Some of the best skiing uh, you can get to, if you can get to it, definitely go check it out. Um, you know, um, I assume they're probably open right now, even with COVID, but you know, be safe out there, everybody who is going out. Um, probably J peak in Vermont would be kind of my next big hitter. We, uh, there's a family of ours that were really close friends that we played sports with, um, whose children were my age and my brother's age. And we, we kind of grew up together doing a lot of stuff. And, um, we, I think our, our parents kind of just did some research and discovered J peak and it's, um, Northern, Northern Vermont, basically Canada. And so they get a lot of good snow up there. And so, um, in, uh, winters growing up in, in, when we were in you know middle school and high school we would uh we'd basically spend christmas out with our family out west go skiing up a big white and then you get that nice like second winter break in february where we would then go book uh you know four or five days up at Jay Peak, go rent a you know like a cabin or a condo up there um with this other family and we'd go skiing you know non-stop there couple like you know a month later after getting out of uh canada so probably Jay Peak in vermont would be my next uh big skiing location place is also awesome great snow sometimes you can get lucky and you can see animals we saw a baby moose one year on the on the slopes which was cool and then you realize that there's probably a parent moose around somewhere and then you freak out and shoot down the mountain so you don't get trampled but
1: you don't want to get run down by moose that's true um So we usually, Chris, ask about a piece of gear. Feels like your piece of gear you mentioned before the show was related to your skiing adventures. You want to talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, so I have, still have and honestly probably still fits um, a pair of ski pants that I got when I made the transition from snowboarding back into skiing probably around Maybe 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, So, about 12 years ago at the earliest. And it was during a time period where all the uh, X Game skiers kind of the, the trend was to be wearing like the baggiest ski gear imaginable. That was kind of like the in trend if you were kind of a, you know, raggedy skier or snowboarder. And so I probably bought a pair of like, you know, I was maybe a buck 25 soaking wet at that point. And I bought probably like an XL or double XL ski pant. I mean, these things were literal bags and they were a pair of Solomon ski pants. And I don't know if they were some sort of like special edition pant. I I think I bought them off of, you know, like backcountry.com or something like that at the time. And they just were super cool they were black they had kind of a teal solomon logo on the side and then on the back of one of the legs they had this kind of purple design down near the bottom i have not been able to find them ever again um at the time (laughs) they looked crazy they were so baggy i had to wear like a belt to like almost full notched because they didn't have any built-in kind of like tie or anything like that and the waistband wasn't elastic but they had they had belt loops they were like grown-up ski pants right you grow out of the elastic stuff when you're younger and so I had I just had like a leather belt that I wore with them to basically keep them on me and um, there was a few times actually where said belt like because it was leather if it got really really cold I had a couple of those belts snap on me and my pants just right to my ankles like in the middle of ski, And I'd have to like do the rest of the run, like holding on to my belt loop and keeping it up and then ski back in. Um, But I love those pants. I still have them. I'm pretty sure they are ripped down the inseam from like doing weird stuff off of jumps and, you know, getting mangled and yard sailing off of them and stuff like that. And um, but I've still got them in my closet. I don't want to get rid of them because, like I said, I have not seen that pair of pants again. I think when I did rip the uh, the inseam, I tried to find them because I love the pants. They're awesome and uh, I haven't been able to find them. So if Rerouted stumbles upon a pair of Solomon pants with you know, teal down the right leg and a purple patch on the back of the left leg, then I'm in on them because they're great. Chap was asking me if I had seen
0: these pants before and if they looked absurd. And my answer was they looked absurd when you were like 110 pounds at 15 years old, but they don't look as absurd now because, you know, you've you've filled out a little bit.
2: Over filled out a decade. little bit. Yeah, no, they definitely, you know, because I, I used them all through college too. Um, and they definitely started to come around. But even in college, I think I still had to wear a belt or else there was a chance that if the velcro on the inside of it had like a velcro tug tie to kind of cinch them if that like velcro gave in the middle of skiing they would just shoot straight to my ankles still
1: (laughs) that's absurd chris i wish i could have seen them how many days do you think you got out of them hundreds
2: oh yeah hundreds of days i mean i literally they were the they are the last pair of ski pants i've purchased I've not purchased another pair of ski pants since because they ripped like at the one of the near the end of one of my seasons in college. And I just kind of said, screw it and just wore them ripped for the rest of the season. So
1: fair fair enough. Uh, So, Chris, what I'm hearing is you probably just I mean, those those are the type of pants that you just love and you never want to get rid of. I totally sympathize. I have so much gear just like that. That was a. That was a great story. We could always talk to Chris forever. Brian, you, I mean, you live with the guy, but you got any questions that you want to share with the audience?
0: No, I mean, everybody heard, uh, well, maybe not everybody heard, but we, we talked, Chris and I talked on our happy hour once about a trip that we went on where Chris got, uh, stuck on a log out in the middle of the ocean for a while, which was, uh, which was a good one. So maybe we'll, Maybe we'll have to have Chris on again in a little in a little bit in a couple of months and we'll we'll tell that story again for the for the podcast but other than that i'm I'm good i I get to talk to Chris all the time so
1: well gentlemen in that case I appreciate both of you guys I'm super excited to be working with you guys as much as we do We've worked very closely every day because there's so much to get done but I appreciate you guys a lot uh Brian why don't you give us the good old send off go hey go watch our sh- stuff on the internet. It's we got rerouted.co on Facebook, rerouted.co on Instagram, at get rerouted on Twitter. If you guys want to hear more from me, I'm chap at chap underscore chats on Twitter. Any am I missing anything? You guys, did I get them all?
0: I think that's I think that was well done. That has been repotted. Thank you guys for listening. The rerouted Podcast. Uh thanks for tuning in. Take it easy. Take
2: care.